Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast. For all you 90s lovers out there, this episode is for you. Uh, we're going to be talking, well, we're not going to be talking about, but think rollerblades, bleached hair, bucket hats, no fear, starter jackets, Discman with the cigarette lighter, car adapter, of course. As we all know, any of us that are 90s babies or lived through the 90s, 90s radness is absolutely endless. And uh, amidst all of that radness and awesomeness, of course, we want to celebrate some of the footwear that helped to define the 1990s. And so today, for this episode, we're going to give 10 of our top sneakers of the 90s. Some of these shoes are from our list of favorites, some are not, but all of them definitely remind us of the 90s. And uh, just to set a couple of parameters here, there are far too many amazing shoes from the 90s to have a definitive top 10. And obviously there's going to be many that won't be mentioned on the list in this episode and not because they're not deserving. We just can't name them all. But all of the shoes that are included that we're going to mention or talk about a little bit more in depth um, are representative of the 90s. They're shoes that shaped us, shoes we remember, some of the shoes we coveted, some didn't really care for, but they are quintessential 90s. Um, another parameter, uh, we are excluding all Air Jordans from this list for a few reasons. Uh, one of those reasons being that the Air Jordans created in the 90s could arguably occupy a good portion of this top 10. Um, and we just want to think a little bit outside of the box and a little bit of a wider variety of shoes than just Air Jordans, and hopefully we can branch out enough from just basketball sneakers. So we hope the list is fun to listen to. Hopefully it'll spark some good memories, a little nostalgia for simpler times, and in no particular order, um, we're going to jump into our top 10 from the 90s. And we're also going to maybe, for some of them, we'll look and see where they are now because some of these shoes have stuck around and are still significant and some have um, all but disappeared and of course don't forget to check out images of all of these shoes we talk about in the show notes at our website immortalsoulspodcast.com um, so jared is uh gonna get us started with this top 10 and what's the first thing you have for us jared you know speaking of branching out from just basketball shoes how about for our number one pick, let's talk about basketball shoes. Playing basketball is hard on your body, but it's really tough on your feet. The pump, where were you when I needed you? If I could play today, I'd pump up for support, protection, and a custom fit. Hey, it's time to move to a new neighborhood. Pump up and air out. Switch to the greatest sports performance shoe in the world, the Reebok Pump. Pump up. 
the number one pick is going to be the Reebok Pump. And just a quick rundown of the history on this. So in 1988, Daniel Scatino and Design Continuum, which was an industrial design firm, they partnered to design a shoe that used inflatable chambers that pump up for a custom fit. And this was known as the Reebok Pump. On November 24th, 1989, the first Reebok Pump was released. And that month, Dominique Wilkins was featured on a television commercial that introduced the Reebok pump to the public. And Reebok released the Omnizone, the Twilight Zone, and the SXT pump in 1990. In February 1991, D. Brown inflated his Reebok pump Omni lights in front of a national audience before scoring a title-winning dunk during the 1991 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. And you can't help but wonder if he was doing that to kind of show up Michael Jordan, who had won the slam dunk contest a few years earlier in 1988. From what I understand, uh, D Brown, he, he inflated the shoes. He pumped up his shoes before every single dunk that he did. And I guess that just got the crowd going wild. And obviously sales of the Reebok pump skyrocketed after that. So that year, the pump also expanded into uh, cross trainers and also, off-road, golf, walking shoes, aerobics shoes, and even running shoes. And around this time, I was just in elementary. I think maybe I was a young middle schooler, and I actually picked up a pair of the Omni lights. And I actually still have those. I believe it's in a box in the garage somewhere, but I still have some original Omni lights from when I was a kid, and I love them. I, I don't think I could ever throw those away. I just don't have the heart to. And the era of the pump was definitely Reebok's heyday, as I think this was pretty much the only time that they beat Nike in sales and popularity with the pump. And man, if you think about it, the mid to late 80s, and, and I would say you know the early to mid 90s, they were definitely the golden era of basketball shoes. So many iconic models from Air Jordans to the Reebok pumps and beyond. And I think it's fun to look back on the rivalries that these companies had sometimes. Uh, it's safe to say, in my opinion, that Reebok Pump's catchphrase, which was pump up and air out, I think that was a subtle, maybe even a not so subtle jab at Air Jordans. So today, the Reebok Pumps, they're not difficult to come by. I would say aside from the Omni Light model, which was made popular by D. Brown, most pump models are relatively easy to come by, and they don't cost more than around $100 a pair. A pair of Omni lights can be found usually for around $200 or less on reputable online marketplaces such as StockX. I promise we are getting closer to shoes that are not basketball shoes, but the second shoe that we're going to talk about here is also a basketball shoe. And the one that I wanted to bring up, our second shoe, is the Air Max Penny Orlando. Let's go back in time a few years. The year is 1995. And this is when Michael Jordan was temporarily retired from the game of basketball. 
And so this meant that there was room for other stars within the NBA to shine brighter than they ever had. So while players like Reggie Miller, Sean Kemp, Scottie Pippen, Akeem Olajuwon were all marquee names during this time period, there was perhaps no bigger star that emerged during Jordan's first retirement than the young Anthony known as Penny Hardaway. And he really seemed to fill that superstar void created in Jordan's absence. Now his shoe, the Air Max Penny One, his first signature shoe with Nike, released in 1995. And... Like I said, it's the first signature shoe of Penny Hardaway. And in that same year, uh, only adding to the hype around the shoes, he also led the Orlando Magic to the NBA Finals, in the, which was only his second season in the NBA. Now, the Air Penny was something that Nike's basketball department had never designed before. It was a shoe that, like Penny himself, it fits somewhere between the flight line for guards and the force line for big men. And this, again, was reflective of Penny's versatile style of play. He was long, lanky, um, but he had the agility, the moves, um, the quickness of, of a guard. This essentially inspired a new line for Nike basketball, which would become known as the up-tempo. Shoes designed for players who were light and quick, but maybe needed just a little more cushioning and support. Now, complementing the support wing on this shoe is a large jeweled swoosh. Um, it's a blue swoosh with a unique scribble pattern inside the swoosh. And um, the Air Penny also featured a speed lacing system, a pinstripe tongue inspired by the Magic uniforms. And its last notable detail was the debut of Penny's One Cent logo on the heel. They've retroed this shoe a bunch of times. In fact, I was... I almost purchased a pair a couple of months ago. I actually found a pair. It was, I was perusing in a Nike outlet store and they had a pair of pennies that were white and orange. Um, and they had them going for about 120 bucks and I almost snatched them up. But I just, for me, if I ever were to purchase them, I, I wouldn't be able to get anything other than I think the original Orlando colorway, the primarily black with white and the blue swoosh. That is what does it for me. And for those, if you do find a pair that is at retail, it's going to be pretty close to 200 bucks. Oh, the many regrets that we have of Nike outlet purchases that could have been. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a similar story like that coming up pretty soon, uh, but uh, you all are going to have to wait for that in a few shoes from now. But for now, folks, let's move on from basketball shoes. And let's talk about the Air Walk 1 Random. And this is our number third pick. Now, I think most people have heard about or know or have seen Air Walk shoes. Not so much now, but back in the 90s, Air Walks were huge as far as like a skateboarding shoe goes. So just a little brief rundown of the history on these shoes. So Airwalk's all-time top-selling sneaker was the model known as the One. And it's considered to be the brand's OG skateboarding sneaker, and it was really popularized in the 90s, and it helped shape what many call the golden era of the skateboarding culture. So Airwalk started as a brand in 1986, and at that point, they sponsored some of skateboarding's brightest stars. And these are marquee names such as Tony Hawk, Danny Way, and Jason Lee, just to name a few. And the most legendary sneaker, which is the one, 
it really took off in the early 90s, and this sneaker was often worn by rebellious teens with baseball caps and independent trucks t-shirts. Now, this shoe, though it once was a hot commodity, the one, along with many other Airwalk models, kind of petered out in popularity as the 2000s approached. And I remember starting in around 2000, I remember actually seeing them in Payless shoe stores and thinking, wow, I, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd see Airwalks in a Payless, but but they were. And in 2017, Airwalk actually reinvented this sneaker with the help of Jeff Staple, who many sneakerheads know for his New York City store, Staple Design, and his legendary Pigeon Nike Dunk sneakers. So this shoe can be found in a uniquely broad selection of stores from Walmart to Zoomies to the Airwalk online store to select boutiques. And prices will range from around $60 to $80. So still very reasonable, not very expensive. And I remember back in my late middle school to, I would say, early high school days. So we're talking like the mid-90s. Back in Southern California, I do remember it seems like everybody was wearing the Airwalk 1 sneaker. I, I just remember going to school and everybody had them on. They were definitely one of the bigger shoe trends at the time, at least at my school. Well, that's perfect. Uh, let's jump into number four. And for number four, hate them or love them, it's undeniable that Allen Iverson was and is a basketball and cultural legend. I want to ask Allen Iverson. Hey, Allen, do you like to play in the zone? Hey, Allen, what do you think about Philly? Hey, Iverson, you want to go one on one? Hey, Allen, you think you can take me? I don't think so. And I have a ring on your finger. <laughs> hey, Evan, how fast are you? And when are you coming down for a cheesesteak? Yo, wow, what's, what's up with that? those shoes? LA, what's up with the shoes? These are good questions. Very good questions. And he broke into the scene in the mid-90s. And the shoe that I'm going to talk about is the most popular of all of Iverson's signature shoes, which is, you've probably already guessed, the Reebok Question. The question was released during Iverson's rookie campaign in 1996. And like I said, it's without a doubt one of the all-time iconic basketball shoes, and not just for Reebok. Behind Iverson's famous crossover and explosive moves to the rim, the question really stood out among a field of sneaker giants. It set records for Reebok and, again, was by far the highest-selling shoe in Iverson's line. Um, the, the shoe featured a leather upper, and there were overlays that came in with either a pearlized or suede finishes, and there's that famous hexalite cushioning and translucent outsole that kind of looks like a kind of looks like a honeycomb pattern. Um, that's probably what's the most recognizable feature for a lot of people. But after it hit the market, the question was an instant staple in court and street fashion, especially as more and more cuts and colorways continued to drop in what seemed like endless succession. A little bit of interesting background behind the question. Young Allen Iverson, he had the difficult decision between Nike and Reebok before his rookie debut, but ultimately uh, Reebok pursued Iverson more aggressively and they gave him stronger assurances than Nike did that as a brand, as a corporation, they would let Iverson be more himself and they would not try to shape him into some sort of brand or marketing tool that was inauthentic. But reportedly, 
Nike already had a signature shoe teed up and ready to go should Iverson decide to sign with them. And his first signature shoe was with Nike was slated to be the Nike Air Flight Turbulence. And interestingly enough, this is a choice um, that was made due to the Air Flight Turbulence's resemblance to the Air Jordan 11 Concords, which is a model that Iverson commonly wore during his college playing days at Georgetown. Today, the Reebok questions continue to release both in classic colorways and in collaborations that over the years have become more and more exclusive, um, including collaborations with Melody Asani, Bape Hall of Fame, and uh, releases of the model of, of the shoe in snakeskin and ostrich. But most questions on the market today, usually you'll see their their price be well above the original 1996 uh, retail price, which was $100, uh, with some highly exclusive model of the questions fetching prices well into four figures. Our number fifth pick is the Nike Air Raid. Now, just a disclaimer, technically speaking, this isn't just a basketball shoe. This is a outdoor basketball shoe. <laughs> so the Air Raid. The shoe was released in 1992, and it was designed by the legendary Tinker Hatfield, who is responsible for designing many of the best and most sought-after models of Air Jordans. I'm Spike, my house, and these are my Air Raid sneakers. Today, let's talk some trash. I'm better than you. I'm not M2. 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 I'm not Hold on. Let's hear some real trash from Tim Hardaway. Each American throws away 1,200 pounds of trash a year. Wow. Recycle that, baby. Now that's some serious trash. As the story goes, apparently one day he got a yellow sticky note from upper management that told him to create a basketball sneaker, in quotes, for outdoor use only. What's funny is this directive actually made it onto the design of the shoe itself. And if you get a hold of a pair of Air Raids, you'll notice on both the back of the shoe as well as on the bottom outer soles, it actually says for outdoor use only. So that's kind of interesting. The Air Raids are also famous for their X-patterned cross foot straps, which seem to kind of have been a preview, I would say, of what was to come a year later when the similarly cross-strapped Air Jordan 8s came out. The Air Raids were designed for Tim Hardaway, and they were a staple of streetball players as they were built tougher and the shoes were more rugged than a typical basketball shoe. And there have been a handful of retro runs over the year, over the years. Uh, the first retro release of the Air Raids was in 2003. And what's kind of interesting to me is given their pedigree given who designed them and i think they just look really cool they always seem to be such a slept on model of shoe i remember when they retroed a few years ago i believe it was in uh 2014 if i'm not mistaken i saw air raids at my local nike outlet for like 70 bucks i definitely regret that i didn't pick them up at that time for 70 bucks because and this is somewhat inexplicable but even though they aren't super hyped, if you want to get a pair of even the the 2014 Retro Air Raids, like on StockX, for example, they're going right now for the low to mid $200 price range, which it's kind of beyond me why they're going for so expensive, but go figure. It is what it is. And my earliest recollections of this shoe, 
it was in, I think I was in sixth grade and it was actually around the time that they came out. So early nineties. And I remember that my PE teacher at the time that he rocked a fresh pair of what I like to call the blacked out air raids. So it's kind of like the triple black color or black on black. And to my knowledge, this particular colorway, which is hands down my favorite colorway of the air raids, it has never been retroed. And so if you're hearing Nike, that's something to consider. <laughs> I'm sure they hear us. I'm sure they do. <laughs> With all the clout and sway we have in the shoe world, I'm sure that they'll be scrambling on that. So you're, you're so. not, it's not falling on deaf ears. Rest assured. Thank you for joining us for part one of this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. Be sure to join us next time for part two of our countdown of iconic shoes from the 90s. If you like the show, leave us a review and a five-star rating at iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you might be listening to us. Thank you all. I'm Spike. This is my house. And he's my housemate. Let's play some ball. I ain't playing ball with no ball hogging, trash talking. Showboat, Nike wearing, high flying, donut dunking, hip hopping, homeboy from Harlem. And I ain't playing ball with no flat footed, Boston loving, gravity bound, Nike wearing, no dribbling, golden hair, hockey playing, born boy from South Dakota. Hold up. If we're gonna live together, we gotta play together. The more colors, the more better. Peace.